I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's really easy to look back and be like, oh, I wish, you know, I didn't waste five years of my life or whatever. But I feel like it teaches you so much about yourself. You become heaps stronger. You know what you will accept, what you won't compromise what you're looking for you're in, in your next relationship. You get happy with just being you and knowing that you don't need anyone. It sucks though, and it will take a while. And like, of course, you'll have trust issues. But at the end of the day, I think you are so much better off without them. Throughout 2021 and following the breakdown of my last relationship, right before turning 30, I found a lot of comfort in exchanging voice memos with close friends especially with four additional lockdowns in Melbourne and living by myself for the very first time, receiving messages like this one from my friend Ash really got me through. In this episode, you're going to meet Ash, or Ashy as I like to call her. Our friendship spans over a decade, so we went to different schools in Ballarat, and it wasn't until we graduated that this new girlfriend group formed. It's kind of hard to explain this dynamic, so hopefully it does make a bit of sense, but my first serious boyfriend and Ash's first serious boyfriend are kind of like stepbrothers, so we crossed paths there, and Ash and I also worked in the same shopping centre, so I was working at Diva and Ash was at Bras and Things. We have so many fun memories together from 21st birthdays to music festivals and visiting each other on our breaks. Our early 20s was an adventure. And this past year, Ash has been a pillar of strength for me as I dealt with my own shit, which you've heard about. But now it's Ashy's turn to tell her story. I didn't speak to my mum about it. I didn't speak to anybody about it because I was so embarrassed and ashamed and I hadn't even been married 12 months Mm -hmm. and I could see that the end was fast approaching. You see, Ash has gone through a lot, especially in the last three years. I'm talking divorced at 29, turning 30 in lockdown and going through IVF at 31. She is a fucking trooper and I'm so inspired by Ash's resilience and I'm so grateful that she's sharing her experience with you because I think it will bring so much comfort and perspective and will serve as an important reminder that 30 looks different on everyone. And that's okay. But one thing we can all do is drop the expectations and just be kinder to ourselves. So let's head home to Ballarat and pay my friend Ashy a visit. Welcome to my podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm really excited. <laughs> we are sitting in your study slash lounge, just like a chill room, it aren't is, we? Yeah, it is a bit of a chill room. But I'm really glad that you're like willing to chat to me about, I guess, turning 30 because, well, I mean, I'm a year younger, mm. but for me turning 30 and me, when shit hit the fan with me, yeah. you were like, it, I, the only thing I can liken it to is like, 
you know, your MySpace top friends. You were like a top friend. Yes. Definitely. Like, <laughs> you are, but especially in that um, time because yeah. we had a similar experience with life changes, yeah. but the context of yours, you had big, big, big life changes, as did I, but like yeah. you had gone through some stuff and I knew I could like turn to you and yeah. you would have advice and stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm excited for you to kind of, you know, give us a bit of insight. The first question that yeah. I wanted to start off with for you, Ash. Yeah is expectation versus reality, okay? Oh, yeah. So growing up, Mm. what did you envision for yourself by the time you had turned 30? Like, where did you see Ash at the age of 30? Yeah, it's so funny you should say that. So um, one of my other good friends and I, we actually went to kindergarten together and you'd know her as well. And I came from a family where my mum had me at a really young age. So she was 20 when she had me. And I remember having conversations. Oxy Joe. Yeah, literally. <laughs> my parents were like super young. So when I was younger, I had this like vision in my head that, you know, I don't even know where I pulled the number from, but like 26 was a really great number. So I thought that at 26, like I would have had my first baby, like I was on this pathway. And so I had envisioned like the perfect life that I was going to be married and have a beautiful house and have children all by the time I was 30. And then, you know, celebrating 30 was just kind of the icing on the cake. And I'd had all these goals and my life was, you know, going a particular direction. And I think that's what I had envisaged. And the reality was really, really different. And I'll be like open about it. I actually thought like, help when I was going through this whole process and um, speaking with my psychologist and she said you're actually the reality is a grieving process because mm-hmm. your life is going one direction and then it gets flipped upside down and then you're grieving what you thought you were going to have yeah yeah so okay so the idea was I guess 26 was the age yeah idea for 30 year old ash married kids settled down yeah, yeah you know, three kind of terms there. What was the reality of Ash at 30? If you had to say like in three words. I mean, career-wise. Career-wise, I was killing it. Like career-wise, I was so happy. I I don't know, like probably probably the kids thing, reality-wise, like the kids thing. I wanted to have like be like my mum and have be a young mum and have kids by the time I was 30. She never would have, well, I don't imagine she would have put pressure on you to no, have kids. Young. No, no, like, no. It was just something that you had yeah. set up for yourself. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because like my family, my, my aunties were really young when they had children. Like my mum was a young mum. I loved having a young mum. I loved, you know, we're sometimes referred to as being sisters they people see us and they're like oh is that your sister and I'm like no it was my mom you like, get that so much <laughs> Joe would get that all the time <laughs> she loves it but I remember <laughs> I used to hate it but there was just so many things that we could do together and growing up I look at her now more as a best friend as I suppose most people would but because she's only like 20 years older than me I work with people that are the same age as my mum so I just really love that idea of being you know <laughs> the young fun cool mum and that yeah, was the reality of it. Yeah. And also the nature of your work being a teacher yeah. where you're surrounded by kids as well. I think that was like always a very natural thing yeah. for you yeah. to want. Let's give some context, I suppose, and kind of wind back to what was going on in Ashi's world in the lead up to turning 30. Because yeah, yeah you, went, you went through some shit. <laughs> and looking back at it, you kind of, yeah, you reflect on it. You think, oh, wow. Like I actually don't know how I managed how it. How you got Yeah, you it. look back and you're like, wow, I was barely staying afloat. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, so I got married really young. Um, How old? So I was 26, so I suppose it was fitting in line with my dream. (laughs) Um, But I was somebody, and I've got friends that, you know, circle engagement rings in paper and like leave them out for their partners to find or send hints. And for me, I never did any of that kind of thing um, with my ex. Like it was... I, I didn't think I wanted to get married. I was just very happy to have a really nice, solid foundation and relationship and then have that family dream, I suppose, by the time I was 30. So it was never really on my radar. We'd built a house together. I was living in Geelong. We'd moved in together. Um, things were going really well. And I had stumbled, I suppose, across a receipt um, for a ring. So I knew it was kind of coming and the, the wedding was beautiful and everything was wonderful. But um, yeah, I was 26 and still in hindsight, very young. And then the year into our first year of marriage, um, we hit lots of bumps mm. um, that I found quite unexpected. And I suppose I found myself at, you know, 27, 28, being single, um, you know, having to, yeah, completely refine myself and Mm -hmm. that was probably where I was at I was studying as well at the time so like I kind of mentioned before career wise I was doing really well I was really happy but my relationship had completely fallen apart and I didn't know what to do with myself Mm. and yeah and then you've got 30 lingering in, in the background so and you were officially divorced when you were 29, it was around yeah. August 2019, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I feel like this idea of, and it's horribly sexist and dated, this idea of a woman's value being based on their marital status. Yeah. Did you feel I, that? Yeah, I didn't. It's so sad when I reflect upon it. I knew that there was writing on the wall with my relationship and the things that were kind of happening, but I was so ashamed and embarrassed to talk to anybody about Mm. it, like even my closest friends. And so it was probably like leading up to that point in time, I didn't speak to my mum about it. I didn't speak to anybody about it because I was so embarrassed and ashamed and I hadn't even been married 12 months Mm. and I could see that the end was fast approaching. So It is that, yeah, it's really hard to think that people do put so much pressure and emphasis on, you know, a relationship and a title. And it is very old fashioned way of thinking. And I remember when I did, um, yeah, tell my mum and my close friends, obviously they were there and so supportive and wish that they had have, I had have told them sooner, but I feel really sorry for like Ash back then Mm. that. I just was so embarrassed to share it because it is so common. Yeah. Well, the D word, I guess it's intimidating just to say the word, but it is, it shouldn't be because I mean, when we we do look back in the A, imagine if you were still in that now, right? Like you got out when you needed to get out like that. And for that to happen at that age is is overwhelming but like you just think if it, it was left any longer if you were if you were yeah. if you were pregnant you oh, know like there's so fuck. many worst, I know there's so Do many worst case scenarios and also too I think age did play a factor because you think of divorcing you think of older people or like your parents that are you know they've been married for 20 years or and they're going through issues or you know their children move in their empty nesters for me it was I felt that I hadn't accomplished what I'd set out to because I hadn't even been married for 12 months and it was coming to an end and ending in divorce. And I couldn't, 
I'm somebody that likes to have answers. Mm. And so for me, I couldn't tell anybody what had gone wrong because I myself didn't even know. know. I do now. Mm. And there is nothing that I could have done to change the outcome of what was about to happen. But for me, it was, yeah, really hard because I didn't actually know. And people ask questions and people have the right to ask questions. But when you don't have the answers, it makes it I found it really difficult to try and come to terms with it because I wasn't even sure. But then to verbalize it and have to explain it to other people yeah. was probably what I was most embarrassed about. Also a time where other people are starting to get engaged oh, and married. That is, it actually kills you. Like to Triggering? So triggering. I remember going to my 10-year school reunion oh, at that fuck, point in yeah. time. So. I had barely told anybody about what I was going through. I was still unsure myself. I was kind of commuting from my parents' house um, because I was renovating with my ex at the time. And so it was really tricky. So I was in this limbo and I remember going to a school reunion and I'm sorry, anyone that doesn't think so, school reunions are like bullshit. They are so judgy. Everyone stands oh, around and's like- That's the reason yeah, for them. Yeah, what are Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, how, like how many kids do you have? Are you married? And so- And also for you, not to, sorry to butt in, but another probably important bit of context is Ash went to a, a private all girls school. Yeah. So that is a, a traditional yeah. thing that I imagine. Yes would be at front of mind because yeah, that's all that you that, talk about. Yeah, you know? exactly <laughs> right. So I remember being like having to go to this reunion and I went with one of my closest friends who also went to the school and we'd had a few drinks prior and it was just really hard. You go there and people are asking you these questions and at that point in time, I was still in denial. So I was still wearing my engagement ring but you put it and my wedding band, but you're putting on this fake facade of Mm. that things are going really great and that you know you're in this really happy relationship and it's so like yeah devastating because you felt the need to have to do that in front of all of these people so um I remember that was kind of one of the points that was really really low and it has happened smack bang in like 2019 where people are literally comparing you to each other and it's the same like there's a pang of, you know, when a friend gets engaged that you're so excited for them, but then you reflect upon your own relationship and you're like, I hope it works out for them. Yeah. Yeah. Your lens would have shifted. I think at the beginning, as you mentioned, it would have just been so hard because you're still navigating it and then people asking, but then over time, as you see more friends, I mean like our feed, we love our friends, but like yeah. fucking hell, everyone's <laughs> everyone. I was saying to you, like, um, when I messaged you the other day, like everyone on my feed, especially the last fortnight, yeah. which is amazing. Happy, happy yeah. for everyone. Don't get me wrong. Getting married, having babies, getting engaged, whatever. People are sending me, you know, their engagement photos and different things. And you're so excited. And I was booking a, a pretty much boozy, you know, six week trip overseas where I was planning on just getting absolutely drunk the entire time. And it just shows like... Yeah, the comparison, what other people are going through is so different. And I think too, it's really important to remember that social media, it's just, well, for most people, it just documents, yeah, the highlight reel of their life. So I probably am a lot more skeptical about, you know, relationships and social media and that type of thing now, because I've been through it Mm. and there's always like, people are always going through something. It's not 
a dream boot as it might appear on their Instagram feed. Yeah, that would be a good segue into the fertility chat that we'll have. But I want to wind back to what you mentioned there when you were booking a (laughs) six-week boozy trip overseas because Ashley did her her single time post-divorce very well (laughs) and very well especially considering at the time weren't even aware of what 2020 would bring no. turning 30 yeah. in a pandemic. So yeah. you got your single shit I got my sorted together. And yeah, yeah. in a year where you could travel and do. So yeah. t- tell, tell us about that time so of being single and making the most I suppose I was, I, I met my like ex-husband when we were at uni. So although like uni was so fun and I wouldn't change anything for it you have, you know, uni nights and you've made great memories. I still was with somebody during that time. So I suppose I never really lived out those uni experience. Yeah. Like the single (laughs) uni girl experience. And, um, I remember, yeah, like I was, the divorce was looming and I was in a really bad place and I hadn't really traveled overseas as such. I'd done, you know, your Bali and Thailand type things and a couple of different, um, Polynesian islands, but I'd never really done Europe. And so I had a girlfriend at the time who was also single and we decided to book a Kentucky because I'd never done it. And I thought, you know, why not? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, probably one of the oldest people on the Kentucky. <laughs> um, but we did that and a sale Croatia and spent some time in Europe. So yeah, I, I did that for, I think it was about six to seven weeks. And, um, as anyone that's done a Kentucky would know, you practically just drink the entire time <laughs> and, um, didn't actually hook up with anyone. Um, but it you was, don't have to either. Yeah. But it was just really nice just to meet some really fantastic people and see places and feel really safe because, you know, being a single girl at the time by yourself, I probably didn't have the confidence to go overseas. Now I would definitely consider doing it with, you know, a friend or something and be able to navigate it myself. But I was really overwhelmed at the time. So it was like dipping your toe in the water without but having you still to do really it. threw yourself out there by even doing it. Yeah. Like that was a big decision. It was huge, but it was so fun. Um, and probably like you said, COVID happened and it was one of the, it was one of the best and worst years of my life. I got divorced, but I traveled to Europe in that time. I went to Bali with my family and then I finished it with a girl's trip in Sri Lanka, um, which was absolutely incredible. And then the borders shut because of COVID. Yes. So that but was really close. It was it? so yeah, close. So yeah, I, um, I would not change it or yeah, re- I don't regret it at you all. You made up for lost time. Actually. Definitely did. <laughs> so turning 30 in 2020, a pandemic. Mm. Would have probably shifted, I guess, how you approached that day, given restrictions and whatnot. But how did how did you feel waking up, you know, on the morning of yeah. your 30th? Did you have a moment of reflection as to where you were? And Yeah, I think leading up to it, I was very mindful of how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And being in the pandemic, my birthday's in June. So I was really lucky. I'd be, we'd been in lockdowns and then regional Victoria had come out of lockdown. Yeah. So there was literally when I had my surgery. Yeah. So there was a window about like a week or two. So I was really fortunate in being able to see my family, like my close family and my friends and just have a small kind of get together. But I was really going through a grieving period, like I kind of spoke about earlier and reflecting on where my life currently was. And I wasn't, I suppose I wasn't really comfortable with where I was at the time. I was still really mourning my, what I thought my pathway was going to be. And 
yeah, I think at the time to um, put in context, like my ex had was um, with somebody else. They'd brought a house together. They had like we were about to have a child. So there was like a lot of different aspects of my life or what I thought my life was going to be that he was still continuing on with. But I was by myself in the middle of a pandemic. Feel left behind. Feeling so left behind and so lonely and isolated and so angry at the same time and hurt. So I'd spent a lot of time working with my psychologist and like speaking about, you know, where I was at and how I was feeling. And like, I think I probably, to be quite honest, had a cry and went to bed because it wasn't what I was expecting. I think I'd planned to have like a bit of a celebration um, and a party with all my friends and family and, you know, make a bit of, I don't know, a dress up or, you know, something fun to kind of celebrate the end of an era with a bang, but it just didn't work out like that. You also did have an unmarried party of sorts. I completely forgot about and that. And you were, yeah. um, oh I actually scrolled back because it was on a Friday night <laughs> and I was on air till 10 in Melbourne, yeah. so I couldn't come down. But I went back into the Facebook invite because I was like, I swear Ash had like yeah. an unmarried party. It was a divorce party. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. as you fucking should. Um, but yeah, I was like reading back on the comments and you were like so drunk and you got up at the piano bar yeah. and you were playing piano. Yeah, you were like, like invited me up to play the piano. It was like the worst <laughs> decision ever. And I remember no. my mum was there and my aunties and oh, some mom. of my really close friends. And um, yeah, I was, I think like, I didn't even make it to 10 o'clock. Like I was so drunk and I was just so happy because it was like the closing of a chapter. And at that point, I wasn't embarrassed anymore. Like everyone knew about my story and I was okay with it but I had this mindset at that point that that decade was kind of done and behind me and I had accomplished a lot in my career and I'd bought and sold houses I'd had a relationship that started and ended and it was just I think at that point it was a real closing chapter moment and then moving forward it doesn't mean you can't be sad about no. you know what happened but I think and you don't was, close it off no like you don't close off your feelings there can be yeah trauma still pops up you know it can be delayed like and it can hit you at any time as yeah. well like I'm sure you still go about your day and there might be a, something that it, maybe not even a physical trigger that yeah. you see but just this feeling suddenly can resurface and you're like, fuck. And you just, but you just have to write it out and accept that will, it could happen, you know, it still happened now. It could still freaking happen five years down the track. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that was, that was kind of my 30th birthday. And then we were kind of back in lockdown. So it came and went. And you had a job change too that year. Like you, you, you've gone pandemic, turning 30, deciding that your job classroom teaching yeah. wanted new challenge wanted to be in a space that made you feel happier um, yeah. challenged so to even do that in a pandemic and turning 30 I know after a divorce I know yeah, like it just doesn't a really kind of, bold thing too yeah I I think when you reflect on it you don't realize not at the how time. much you're taking on at the time and even when I was going through like my relationship break and my divorce and traveling I was still studying like my master's and I look back at that and think how the hell did you possibly finish studying a full-time degree and work and I was commuting at the time to travel um, because my house hadn't sold that we was trying to go through separation and whatever so you look back and 
there's so many like transitional phases and changes that I've been through in the last couple of years. And I hate change. Like I'm somebody that doesn't like it. So why I keep doing this to myself is beyond me. I'm actually unsure. 2021, Mm. I guess, was when you kind of decided to begin the fertility process. Yeah. So how did it begin? Like what prompted you to explore fertility? I look back and I never, you know, had pregnancy scares like some of my friends and I had abnormal periods and there was just like a range of different things. And I had that dream of being 26 and having children. And then I got to 30. And at that point, I didn't have a relationship. I There was no kind of, um, yeah, anyone that I was dating or seeing in sight. And I kind of, you know, was at a dinner one night and a girlfriend said, oh, would would you ever consider freezing your eggs? And the conversation was really interesting. And lots of the girls were talking about, you know, no, yes, maybe how expensive it is. And it was kind of during that time I was on Instagram and I was following a girl and she posted about the AMH test. And I took a screenshot of it because I thought I should probably do that. And I don't know what prompted me to think that but I had it saved. It had been a couple of weeks and I ended up booking myself in. And the GP that I saw at the time was really hesitant to even explore it and give me a referral. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So her words were that it prompts unnecessary anxiety around fertility and I can understand that, but at the same time, how else do you know? And it's, I practically had to plead my case with her and talk about my divorce and, you know, my age and where I thought I was going to be and that I really wanted this test to be informed about my future. So she finally kind of caved reluctantly and gave it to me. So um, you're supposed to have it on day three if you bleed. So I went to go do it that day and, um, the person that was doing the bloods was like, oh, you actually get a more effective result if you come back um, when it's your period. And I thought, oh, okay. So by the time you kind of waited a month to do that, I went back to the GP when she had the results. And I remember just having this sick feeling that I knew that something was wrong. I just Mm -hmm. knew. And she sat me down and she was like, oh, you know, I know I said not to stress about um, or be anxious about the results, but yours is incredibly low for your age. Oh my God. And I just like held it together. I didn't cry in there, I, but you know, when you get like the, the lump in your throat and I thought this is like so shit. And so I was like in the bottom percentile for people my age and my result was like at a three and it was incredibly low. So I remember I got to the car and just like rang my mom straight away and was hysterical and because I hadn't told anyone I had to like backtrack and like fill in the gaps about this test and why I had it done and yeah so mum was really supportive and she's like okay so what are we going to do next then and I'd got a referral to see um a really good gynecologist and obstetrician so 
that was kind of the next step. Um, How awkward for that doctor, though, who was like, you know, don't yeah. really know if you need it, causes yeah. un- unnecessary stress <laughs> neck minute. <laughs> like, I'm really I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, um, but yours, yours it ain't good. good. Yeah, and I, I think I'm really glad that I stuck with it, and I suppose that's why eventually I've, I've wanted to share my story and be vocal about it because – I thought about even high school when you're talking about sex ed and different things. And I think we're so misinformed Mm -hmm. about it. Even like with your endo stuff, like it is not spoken about in classrooms. In classrooms, it's like, it's like this straight line, like a straight road with no acknowledgement of potential side roads or detours being endo or PCOS or even, you know, like miscarriage, you know, we were talking with a friend and we're all 28, 29 at that age. And that was my first conversation Session with friends mis- about yeah. miscarriage. It's, and I felt so, I felt so dumb. I know. But I was like, we were never you, told or taught to normalize these conversations. No, no, not at all. And I think, yeah, I think my Instagram and sharing it again, I did it in my own time because yeah. I'm somebody that processes the information and I like to have all of the answers in my own pathway before I share it with people but yeah I that's why I thought if I'm 30 and people aren't aware of this like I could potentially help somebody just go and have a test and be informed about their future because if I didn't take that test then I actually could be five years down the track and not being able to have children, yeah. which is a huge thing for me. And it's something that I want to do. So, And it's um, a big break in, you know, we we're talking about uh, social media and Instagram as a, a highlight reel. The, you know, you shared a carousel of images and the first one is just the tabletop with a pile of, of needles. Yeah. And like it was a very um, sobering image to kind of show the reality of, yeah. of IVF and egg freezing and stuff. So, yeah. How long, you know, how many like cycles in and complications or whatnot, how long the timeline of this experience? Yeah, so longer than what you anticipated? Definitely. So I had all the, that testing done probably this time, so around like February last year. Um, and then from that, because you need to get into with specialists and as you would know, with getting into doctors and things, there's like a wait period and they don't take you straight away if you're a new patient. So by the time I went and saw um, the doctor that I was referred to, I found out I had cysts on my cervix. So I had to have them removed. So that was like one procedure mm. that I had, plus like a whole heap of other tests and different things. And because I'm a bit of a hippie at heart, I went and um, saw, so Reiki. <laughs> saw the expertise of um, a fertility naturopath that, um, yes, my grandparents used to be naturopaths. So during the wait time to see the IVF doctor, I was taking all these natural supplements and doing all this stuff because I thought if I can't have the quantity of eggs I wanted to have really high quality eggs so that was kind of my overall goal so I was taking all of these supplements which were absolutely revolting but I got in with my IVF doctor and he prescribed more hormones and different things and then um yeah sent me off to go and go and collect my injections from a pharmacy which was so overwhelming because I am so scared of needles absolutely petrified like blood tests I faint and get like I'm just not good with any of it so to kind of go to the pharmacy and get given a little package full of needles to pop in your fridge was quite daunting and overwhelming and then I had another appointment with um an IVF nurse and so they show you how to admit like administer it and um what to do so 
again, we were like peak COVID. I was put in another like lockdown during that time. And I've got all these needles and need to inject my, fir- my myself on my first cycle. And then that cycle, like you've got to give them to yourself like twice a day at one point so I kind of was doing it once a day um and then they give you like a whole schedule of what to take and when and the dosages and then I got to the two and I just remember I was so emotional like the tiniest little thing set me off like I was in tears um your stomach like I felt so incredibly like bloated the needles, some of them hurt really, really badly when you're injecting your stomach. So I kind of did that. And then I had to go down and have an internal pelvic ultrasound and they kind of count your follicles and your eggs that are are mature size. And so I went in and they give you this ideal timeline of when you should do everything and when your procedure would be. And I remember I went down and um, you had to have a COVID test beforehand because you're going in for surgery. And I had my COVID test, I had my blood test, and I got a phone call from the nurse saying that my follicles weren't at the right size. So I had to prolong it and continue with my medications. And at that point in time, I had the biggest meltdown because Mm. your body's full of hormones, but then also you think that you've got this plan in place and then for your body not to be responding how it should be, it was just devastating. So I eventually um, went in for my procedure and the first time they only got three eggs. So um, I was devastated. And especially you sitting there in recovery afterwards and they've got other ladies that they've performed the same surgery on and they've got like 17 eggs in one go. And you're like, fuck, hard not to I've got three. Like, And it's re- it was really hard. And yeah, so I was so deflated. And then after that, my body had a really bad response. So... I've never had migraines, but I got migraines. Um, I had a really bad UTI. Like it was horrendous. Um, The recovery after it was just like horrible. So my IVF doctor actually was on um, leave for the week that afterwards. So I got in contact with my nurse and I started my next cycle um, because they said I could do it back to back. So it was like the following month, there was no downtime. So I started all my injections, um, but my doctor said that he wanted to change my dosage this time around and add in an additional hormone um, because normally they give you FSH injections and this time they gave me luteinizing hormone as well, which is the other hormone that apparently it's like one in 10 people need it. Like it's not very common. Mm. So I had that and then I did another cycle, which was a month and that time they got seven eggs which was awesome the next time around um yeah the same same thing and I got seven so all together I ended up with 17 eggs so the cysts situation is another <laughs> side path yeah of, and can this so you're done with the cycles now yeah so fully done with cycles so this the cyst is just like something you have to monitor when I went in initially to have um my consult with my gynecologist so he discovered that I obviously had cysts on my cervix, but there was also cysts on my ovaries. So given the fact that I had a low egg count, I was considering freezing my eggs anyway. But then he really encouraged it because my follicles are so low anyway. And he didn't want to go in at the same time and remove the cysts 
in case he damaged my follicles. And because I have so limited follicles anyway, yeah, he was just like, you know, your chances of producing really good quality eggs would be even lower than what they currently are. So we held out with the cysts on my ovaries until I had completed my cycles of IVF. And I thought that three and 17 was enough. I kind of had a number of wanting a minimum of 12. And after conversations with my IVS specialists around children and, you know, success rate and that type of thing, it was kind of anything over that was an optimal number for me. So once I got 17, I decided that that was probably a good insurance policy. And then I went back to see um, my gyno and he said at the time my ovaries were just so overstimulated because of all the hormones and there'd been a couple of new cysts developed that they could um, potentially go again just because of how stimulated they were. So I'm actually booked in to have a pelvic ultrasound this week coming and then I'll meet with him again and kind of come up with a plan of attack. So again, I just know deep down that they're probably going to have to be removed at Mm. some point, but that's okay. Like at least it's just then a clean bill of health. So looking at social media, you've gone through scrolling feeds of people getting engaged, married, and you've already experienced that. And now dealing with the the eggs freezing and IVF and the slight complications with the cysts and whatnot. Yeah. And then saying, we love babies. Love babies. We love ba- you, lo- we, you clearly <laughs> love babies, but like, fuck me, they're everywhere. Yeah, it is, <laughs> it is so true. Is it triggering Oh, so triggering. Yeah. And like, it's, you've got to stop yourself. And I kind of did a little post about it in my IVF, like Instagram page, because there's so many things that people don't realize the effect that it can have on other people. And like, I'm so, so happy for all my friends that are having babies and your brother's got a baby. Yeah. My brother's got a baby. It's such an exciting time. And like, I love spending time with them, but again, it's really triggering because it's the one thing that I want more than anything. And at this very point in time, like, yes, I'm not ready to have it, but also to know that if I do need to go down the IVF journey, it's not going to be a surprise for me. Like it's, I'm not going to experience some of those things that other people experience just naturally. So I think that's, yeah, sometimes, you know, gets to you as well as the fact that it seems like everyone's having a baby, but you and baby showers, like Mm. you kind of in this limbo land where, you know, you're divorced, you're not engaged to anyone, you're not pregnant. So, you almost feel a bit disjointed from some of your friends and they try so hard to include you and, you know, make you a part of their worlds. But it becomes tricky when, you know, your conversations change drastically to, you know, about, you know, what your baby's doing or, you know, what milestone that they've reached. So it's just a really funny, funny phase at the moment, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of the same too. I guess I'm kind of behind in the sense that I definitely need to do this test and I want to do it and it was like one of the first things that I thought of last year you know after my relationship ending and then turning 30 plus the endo stuff Mm. I I feel sometimes guilty for feeling bad Uh, do you struggle with a a bit of guilt with it I'm so guilty because it's the one time where you should be so happy for people and you want to be you want to be but then there's that like that little bit of, you know, 
jealousy, I suppose, might be part of it. There's a little bit of, yeah, you you get really sad because you kind of wish that that was you. It's it's hard, yeah, not to get frustrated or upset or those, but it's natural. We're human. Like that's, it's okay to feel that way. But I also feel like people that do have children or are married and, you know, you do have a friend that's going through, you know, a tricky time just to be a little mindful of, you know, perhaps putting yourself in their shoes and considering what it might be like for them because it's not always easy. Yeah, and it's not to say don't fucking post anything about no, your baby. No, not it's at just all. like I love the baby photos yeah, and the engagement photos. You but. love that shit. I mean, you <laughs> take people's babies and will be like I'll put them to sleep. <laughs> and even like, you know, I I would hate it if I was that person that, you know, didn't send a message to, you know, one of your friends because they've got engaged or, you know, the night before their wedding, like message them and, you know, wish them all the best and Mm. hope that their day is everything that they dreamed of. I think another thing is, and it's just that we've got to be cautious, is when we get to this age, we start comparing ourselves to other people. And the comments around like, you know, and I think older generations tend to do it a lot more, like your parents and grandparents but when they start asking questions about you know when are you having a baby or you know when are you going to find yourself a nice man or or even if it's when they're trying to be helpful yeah. and you know the antenna so well and they're like you'll find someone yeah but it could also be like what if I don't want to find someone exactly you know right. because I think it's going back to that traditional and it's it is sexist and it's just the patriarchy doing its thing yeah whereas you know we're in a time where some people just don't want to have kids yeah. and that's not what they're striving for and that's, it could just be a career thing and yeah. they don't need – love doesn't have to be a, a romantic partner. It can be love within yourself or just focusing on your friendships yeah. and and your family and you can, you, can, you can still have all of these things without necessarily having someone mm. – to have it with but if you want to have that yeah that's fine that's okay. but if you don't want it that's, that's okay too awesome yeah yeah because yeah. I remember being in a baby shower and someone saying to me oh you know when's it your turn Ash and I said oh I'm not sure knowing full well like nobody at the time knew but I was going through all my fertility things and it was so like hurtful because, you know, and then the next comment that was made was you need to stop focusing so much on your career because you're going to miss out. And I remember oh at the God. time being say from the fucking 50s. Yeah, I remember being so triggered by it and thinking, you know, maybe the reason I'm so invested in my work and my job at the moment is because I can't have any of these other things. Like it's not my time yet. And so I think even a a girlfriend that I know, um, she has a little boy and I said to her, I can't remember how I worded it, but she thanked me afterwards, but it was around her boy. And I said, oh, so you're really happy with just having, you know, so-and-so. And she goes, we are so happy. We don't want to have any more. And she said to me, thank you so much for phrasing it the way you did, because so many people often say, when are you having another baby or aren't you going to have any more? It's almost like the judgment that comes with it, the interrogation Mm. that, yeah, I think I've learned probably in the last three years that not to ask questions, just to be supportive, because it's none of my business what anyone's going through. And, you know, People do things behind closed doors because they're not comfortable in sharing it at that point in time. And that's completely okay. But everyone's got their own path and journey. Yeah, there's no there's no textbook answer. How do you, I guess, compare the growth that you have experienced 
in the last three years in comparison mm. to the growth that you've had throughout your 20s? Like how mm. would you even compare it? Wow. Or, just, a, or even yeah. previous stages of your life, not even your 20s. That is a really great question. Your 20s, you're so like you reflect on it and you're so young. Like you can think that you have had so much world experience and you've got so much knowledge. And, you know, I went to uni, I got a fantastic job. I moved, I traveled, I did all of these things and thought that I had my shit together and that I was killing it and that I'd learned so much and I'd matured so much. And then life throws you like the past three years of curveballs and it has been chaotic like really chaotic and when you kind of recap it like that you think holy shit like how did I get through that yeah. but I think during that time I'm really glad like 2019 was a time where I got to know me again I yeah. think I had fallen into a trap of just being in a relationship and doing things because, you know, that's what you do. Yeah. And I think during that time, I really learned about myself, my values, what I stood up for, what I was passionate about, what I loved to do, what I didn't want to, you know, um, if it was a relationship or a friendship, like things that I wasn't going to compromise on anymore. And I think during that time, I've just learned and matured so much and to take things I think the hardest thing is to say to take things with grace. Like mm. not everything is ever going to happen your way. Um, you can cry. Like I've cried. I don't even want to know how many tears <laughs> over the last couple of years. But I think it's just I've learned more about life, myself, others in the last three years than I possibly could have in my 20s. Starting this, you know, new chapter of being in our 30s and like, it's also terrifying just like who knows what it will be like in three years time. <laughs> I know like if you think of how much has happened in the last yeah. few years and the podcast is called figuring out 30 mm. what would you say is the most valuable thing that you have figured out so far like you've kind of touched on it there figuring out you know it's like figuring out self-worth yeah figuring out balance figuring yeah. out standards what yeah. do you think is the biggest thing that you feel like you have figured out so far in your 30s? It sounds really silly, but the one thing that I've learned about myself through all of this is my intuition. I've actually got a really good intuition. During my relationship, I knew that I needed to leave and I didn't because I like I knew. I knew that it was ending, but I needed for myself to know that I'd put everything that I had into it and then I could call it a day. Um, my intuition about you know, my fertility. I listened to myself. I questioned my doctor who didn't want to give me the test. Yeah. So I think listening to yourself, like you often know what's right and you know what the right thing to do is, but there's so many external factors that generally come into play with that. And I didn't have any tattoos and I have managed to somehow walk away with five in the last three years. <laughs> you baddie. But, <laughs> um, I got one so again, I talked about how I'm a little bit of a hippie and I love Reiki. And one of the things that kind of came from it was I don't speak up enough and I don't follow my intuition. And so I actually got one of the um, Reiki symbols tattooed onto me just as a little reminder, just to listen to myself. And yeah, it's it's worked. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken away from it. Sounds like you've figured out your voice. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. One final one for you, Ash. If you could tell younger Ashy anything about turning 30, mm. what would you say? 
younger Ashy who wanted shit done. Yeah, by like for 26, God, was she like, oh, naive. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is like, you'll get there. Like, where you need to be, you'll get there. How we get there is just the unknown. And don't put like hard dates and expectations because they don't always come true. And that's completely okay. And don't compare yourself. Everyone's journey's change. Yeah, everyone's journey. Like, who would have thought, like, COVID is a perfect example. Who would have thought that we would be living through a global pandemic where you were locked away from friends, family for two years? So I think, yeah, just. Go with, it sounds such a hippie thing to say, but like go with the flow, just things happen for a reason. And yeah, don't put too much pressure on yourself because it will happen just exactly as it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate candidness and these are things that we have talked about and I hope people feel like they've been sitting here listening and meeting you and just having a bit of comfort in in what you've shared. So thanks, Ash. Thank you. I really hope you found comfort in that chat and I can't thank my Ashley enough for being so open about her experience turning 30. I gotta say though, speaking to Ash has really got me thinking about my own maternal desires. So, you want to know what it's going to be like, you know, how we can predict, you know, what your fertility's like. Yeah. So, coming up next on Figuring Out 30, I'm going to take you along as I see Dr Fiona Cowell from Monash IVF to do my own AMH test and discuss egg freezing. I'll also share some insight as to where I'm at with my endometriosis. Figuring Out 30 is an independent podcast produced and presented by me, Bridget Hustwaite. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget Hustwaite and you can also drop me a line about the podcast anytime at figuringout30 at gmail.com. Don't forget you can hit subscribe if you want to stay across the latest episodes and hey, if you like what you're hearing, I would love it if you could leave me a little review or rating. Thank you so much for your support. I'll catch you next time. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.